Good evening, good afternoon, whenever you listen to this. I am Gary Mack, and he is Rich Baxter, and Hello. we are the Baseball Talk Radio Show. And Rich, uh, another week, no baseball, but uh, what are you going to do? we got a great guest on. We'll get to him in a few minutes. Yes, good generic time of the day to you, Gary. Um, yep, we're <laughs> going to be talking some great baseball again on the Baseball Talk Radio Show. we got some updated information we're getting closer and closer to a time where we may see some baseball on on television if not in person but uh yeah it's been a, a quite an, an eventful week hasn't it gary it certainly has uh, they've got a new plan i don't know if i'm crazy about it rich i gotta be honest uh uh, I, I don't like the idea of mixing all of the divisions together such as they are. Uh, I think this is their master plan for the future. I'm very uh, suspicious of it because, you know, they've talked about doing something like this for years. And here they are taking this pandemic to, uh, uh, you know, go ahead and do this. And uh, so I'm a little suspicious of that. And, of course, they'll use the DH for the, you know, they'll say, well, we have to for one year. But uh, you know how those things work. Very rarely does it go back after the one year. So I'm just afraid that if they do this geographically the way they want to do it, that they'll go back. Uh, eventually to the old National League and the American League. And I don't like the idea of just one MLB. Yeah, there's an article in the nationalreview.com this morning. Don't kill the National League. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, like you said, we're hearing now more and more. Nothing's been officially announced, but possibly a 100-game season starting in late June. Um, teams playing at their own home ballparks rather than having a concentrated area down in Florida or Arizona. And that sort of makes sense as well. Uh, the league realigning into uh, a few different divisions. Uh, it's going to be, it's, it's going to be strange if it happens that way. Uh, I'm not so sure I'm, I'm on board with it. I mean, we'll have to do what we have to do, but, um, you know, it's it's going to be baseball, apparently. Yeah, and and you know, Rich, this also sets them up for what they want to do with expansion. They can, if this this if they presume perceive that this works out, they're going to try to expand to two more cities and then probably go to uh, four divisions with eight teams in it. Um, you know, uh, and and that'll be baseball as we know it i guess going forward but uh that's a conversation for another day i guess uh but i'm just not crazy you know it just makes it so much harder the uh the uh, divisions that we would be in uh especially the phillies and the mets uh and you know we're philly and Mets fans so we're concerned about that and We'd be stuck with the Yankees and and uh, the Red Sox and yeah, um, you know Tampa, which uh, can't outspend us, but uh, they've got a pretty good team. And uh, you know Boston and the Yankees like to spend that money. Uh, I I don't know. I just I, I'm kind of leery about the whole situation. Yeah, it's a three division realignment combination of the whole league. 
Uh, the Yankees, Mets, Red Sox, Nationals, Orioles, Phillies, Pirates, Blue Jays, Rays, and the Marlins in one group. Out west, the Dodgers, Angels, Giants, Athletics, Padres, Diamondbacks, Rockies, Rangers, Astros, and Mariners. Then in the central, the Cubs, the White Sox, Brewers, Cardinals, Royals, Reds, Indians, Twins, and Tigers. So geographically aligned, but as you said, I'm... I'm not interested in facing the Yankees every fifth day or eighth day or 10th day, whatever the schedule happens to read, uh, or the Red Sox for that matter. But uh, like I said, we, we may not have a choice. I, I I think you're right, Rich. I think you are right. And uh, we'll have to see how it all plays out. You know, it, it's this is the third or fourth plan that they've come up with. This is probably the most viable and the one they've, they've pushed along the most. Yeah. And granted, if you're a baseball fan, maybe this is an opportunity for you as well. You'll be seeing a lot of players that you may not get a chance to see. I mean, how many people actually travel Want to go to Yankee Stadium, check out a game. Uh, a couple negatives about that. It's very expensive. It's um, somewhat difficult to get to for some some people. So, you know, maybe this is an opportunity for baseball fans to see uh, some of the best players in the game in the Eastern League and throughout the whole league for that matter. So a uh, hundred games sounds a bit ambitious to me at this point, especially starting the end of June. But I guess that sort of sits right. If we look at the way, um, the all-star game breaks out. Well, they'll probably skip right through that. And then uh, they're gonna, they're going to, uh, uh, probably, uh, talk about a, a different playoff format as well. So they'll have to see who knows, maybe they'll end up, playing that in Florida and Texas uh, and uh, that might be a way of doing the, that as far as the playoffs go if it gets you know the World Series could be at a neutral site maybe in Miami maybe in uh, the new ballpark in Texas something like that uh, they could always do that if they wished um, I, I guess we'll just see what happens and and we sit and wait. Yeah, each day brings a new uh, set of news, new set of uh, possibilities for the MLB. And uh, believe it or not, we have a great guest on board with us today, uh, all the way down from Florida, Mr. Lou Schiff from uh, on Twitter, hashtag baseball and the law. How you doing today, Lou? I'm good. How you guys doing, Rich? Gary, good awesome. to be on with awesome. you guys this afternoon or this morning or at night whenever anybody's <laughs> listening in. We're very good, Lou. Thanks for coming on today. I lost track of days. Honest, honest to goodness. I, I, for some reason, I was in the office earlier today, and I thought today was Monday. And um, obviously, we're recording on a Wednesday, but I, for some reason, for a little bit, I thought somehow today was was Monday. But uh, it's, 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 a new, it's a new normal. Yeah, I've sent out some tweets on some days and, uh, you know, good morning, it's Tuesday. And I, I had to check my computer and I look, oh, it's only Monday. Only Monday, <laughs> so yeah. I have to go back and fix it. But uh, Lou is an esteemed baseball research, uh, just one of the hats that he wears, um, and author and book 
uh, author of a, a wonderful baseball book that won an award in 2017 with the Sabre uh, Baseball Award. And that one is called Baseball and the Law, Cases and Materials. And uh, could you tell our listeners here at Baseball Talk Radio Podcast a little about the book? The book became a, a labor of love. It's, it's a story about the legal issues and the uh, other moral and societal issues that face Major League Baseball and how baseball has dealt with them since the beginning. We've divided it up into uh, different chapters. A usual textbook usually doesn't divide it up the way we did it, but we, we divided the, the book up into sections that fans could really appreciate. It's the kind of book that you don't have to be a lawyer to enjoy it. You, you could be a baseball fan and researcher. So we, we go through and we do an introduction to the game, and then we do a section on the baseball commissioners, and we talk about teams. And then in another chapter, we talk about stadiums. Uh, then we move on to the players themselves. We have a chapter devoted to fans. And then we end the book with a chapter devoted to amateur baseball. And so it's a, it's, it's, it's a nice read. It's a lot of reading. It's a little over 1,000 pages, but the book does have uh, pictures. It was intended for law students. Uh, it, it's been adopted by law schools uh, throughout the United States, including the, the school where I am an adjunct, which is Mitchell Hamlin in, in St. Paul, Minnesota. My co-author, Bob Jarvis, he's an adjunct right down here in Fort Lauderdale at Nova Southeastern. And so we've taught the class uh, for a number of years, going back even before the book book was written. And uh, every day I, I put out a tweet on, as you said, uh, baseball and the law, or the way the tweet handle is at baseball and the two. And every day I try to give you a little insight into the legal issues of baseball and how they really intersect with everyday life. So, for example, we're talking here on, on a Wednesday, and, and today, believe it or not, is the fifth anniversary of the game that was played in Baltimore without any fans because of the uh, Baltimore riots that occurred. And that was a game where uh, like the stadium was locked down. Only the players yeah. were there. There were some reporters and stadium workers. That was it. And they played a ball game. Uh, so that's, that's a tragic anniversary because of what happened in Baltimore uh, five years ago. But we, we talked about that. Um, uh, we also talked uh, yesterday about the exploding, was it yesterday or the day before yesterday, we talked about an exploding scoreboard at uh, Comiskey. And, and Bill Beck uh, has invented so many things in baseball, but one of the things he brought to us in baseball were, are the modern exploding scoreboards, and they didn't come into existence until, until 1960. And so we commemorated that, and we had a little interview that we found and we put up for fans to look at. And and these are the kinds of things that are that are also in the book. That's awesome, and and as you said, it is more so a textbook uh, at over a thousand pages, uh, a lot of photographs in there, and things like that. And there's plenty of uh, opportunities to, to discuss law and baseball. And one of the one things that I wanted to ask you today is something that I just read in the news, apparently it's close to some sort of reconciliation, is the fan ticket refunds that uh, they haven't been able to get yet, and we're at the end of April, and baseball right. still holding on to that money. So last week, um, Craig Calatera did a little article about uh, the lawsuits that were being filed, and on the heels of that, we ran a poll where we had 
almost 600 people. And the question was, uh, you know, fans are, are being are suing Major League Baseball and StubHub and, and other third parties, uh, including the teams, for refunds on unplayed games. And so the question was, if you were the judge, how would you rule? And 86 percent of, of the responders said that they would uh, they would order that the teams have to refund their money right away, which means let's flash forward to yesterday or and yesterday Major League Baseball announced uh, and there was an article that was in ESPN that uh, that they're going to start making refunds. Teams are supposed to start announcing today a way to offer refunds for games lost due to the coronavirus. So. Yes, baseball was sued. Uh, the courts are probably not going to have to make a decision uh, on that if if the teams uh, refund the money the way they would refund the money, uh, you know, perhaps at a rainout or something like yeah. that. People people want their money back at this point. And and Lou, uh, you know, they're talking about opening up, but a lot of these states that the uh, teams are placed in are still not opening themselves up. What kind of problems could they possibly run into uh, with the the different government, state governments, uh, before they could possibly open up? Well, I think you've just mentioned it. Obviously, they're going to have to be cleared by whatever state that they're in that they can even play baseball. Mm-hmm. And then once they're cleared that they can even play baseball, there needs to be a protocol set up for the safety of first the players. And then once you establish that, then the question is, you guys were talking before about, you know, about the new structure that could be, but there may be empty stadiums. I read an article today, uh, and I forgot where. It may have been in the Athletic. It may have been in, in the National. Uh, but how what happened in Baltimore five years ago People are looking towards to see how to run ball games without anybody in the stands. Uh, are you going to have the organist there? Are they going to be going dum bum 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 bum? <laughs> you know, the players are used to hearing that. Uh, are you going to have an announcer saying now batting? Are you going to? Uh, are, are you? You know, what's going to happen? Obviously, you won't have kiss cam in between innings, and then the game may move a little bit faster. But the ball players like some of that stuff. So what's going to be taken? Is there going to be any walk-up music anymore? Or is it just going to be like I'm going to a high school baseball game or even a, a little league baseball game and, and they're peeping you know, out, you know, and they, they're just, no one's announcing who's coming up and the guy gets up, the girl gets up, they hit the ball, and then, and, uh, you know, the next team comes up. Don't know. But we have to be really careful about fan safety. And, and we may see baseball played and we may not get to go to any games this year. It's- Absolutely. Yeah. That, and it opens a whole can of worms. Um, I know they're going to be testing the MLB players, but if there is a point in time this season, when fans can come back to the ballpark, will the MLB have the right to, to test fans to get into the stadium area that falls into a lot of different categories. That's a, that's a great question. You know, baseball has a right to, to search people coming into a ballpark for safety when they extend that and say, well, safety goes beyond just weapons. Safety goes to your health, and we don't want to endanger anyone else's health. Uh, you don't have a right to go to a baseball game. You, you buy a license to go to the game, and that license gives you the opportunity to go to a game and sit in your seats, and you're supposed to behave yourself while you're sitting there. 
And if the team feels that you've done something that has violated your license, they have the right to remove you from the stadium. Uh, so it's not as if you're, you're walking into a public place, although some, te- some teams are played in, in, in ballparks owned by, by governments, such as uh, Yankee Stadium, such as uh, Marlins Park. Uh, they still have a right, I believe, to, to screen people for the safety of, of, of everybody. So we'll see what happens there. We don't have to worry as much down here about fans coming to games as you do up in New York with the Marlins. I've been a Marlins season ticket holder for a long time. I think there's six of us, maybe seven of us. But, you know, it's it's still going to be a concern. You and the guy that sits behind home plate all the time. <laughs> no, I know my seats are my seats are along first base in the in the lower level in the, in, in the first row. I share the seats with with my brother, and we and and we go and we enjoy games. Sometimes it's tough to find people to take to games, but yeah. uh, uh, I, I love baseball. You know, it's yeah. just just it's, it's, I like the way it unfolds. I like the way it it, it, it works itself in. I like the way you can go to a game when there's a total stranger near you and you can talk. Uh-huh. Unlike an NBA game or a hockey game or a football game, baseball is a more, uh, it's, a, it's a game, it's a communal game. It, it's where people can enjoy each other, even if they're not the, the, the rooting for the same team. There's a, there's a commonality there. It doesn't seem to get to be like a... A, a, a football game where the, uh, the the Giants are playing the Jets or the Jets are down here playing the Dolphins, you know, and it gets crazy and out of control. And, Lou, you know, uh, continuing on with the inside the stadium, uh, the big trend in the last few years was all the netting that they've, they've put up because of people getting hurt. Um, legally... Did they have to do that because there is a warning on every ticket to be uh, uh, aware? Um, so were they, man, did they, you know, legally have to do that or was it just a measure of good faith? Great question. So we go back over 100 years to a case out of Kansas City called Crane. And Crane was injured by a foul ball. And the courts in that case said assumption of the risk if you don't want to get hit by a ball, don't sit in an area where you can get hit by a ball because there were some areas screened. Now, there's been a lot of times that was tested. We, we, now, we go up to, to today. Today, stadiums are built where the, the players and the, and the fans are closer than they were. The old, the old ballparks, for example, uh, Shea Stadium, uh, you were further away from the field than you are now, say, at City Field. Uh, People want to get closer. Players are faster. Balls fly faster. People don't pay attention as much. They don't pay attention as much because we have exploding scoreboards. We have all kinds of distractions. We have dancing mascots. We are encouraged to bring our iPhones to game and check the and check the stats of a specific ball player. We're encouraged to use our iPhones to watch a replay. So we're not always concentrating on the game. And this causes a distraction. There are no laws uh, with any major league baseball teams that, pro- that, that demand that they have netting. Now, some, some other cities have started enacting laws that require their teams to put up netting. And it's a result of good, uh, just good public relations. We want our fans to enjoy a game. Does it interfere 
A little bit. I, I, my seats used to be where there was no netting. Now there's netting, the same seats, but now there's netting. Does it affect the game? A little bit. You, it, it's sometimes hard to follow the ball off the bat uh, right away, uh, depending upon where it's being hit. But it's for fan safety, and that's what the name of the game is. Uh, yes, Major League Baseball was afraid that they were going to lose some, some lawsuits. Major League Baseball probably was concerned that laws were going to be passed, that were going to mandate them to do certain things. So they got in front of the story, and they came up with a solution to a, to a problem. And any any cases that are uh, in the courts that uh, I believe wasn't there some woman that got hurt in Boston? I believe it was. Wasn't she going to sue the Red Sox in Major League Baseball? Has that ever gone forward? And would she have any sort of case? Well, I, I can't tell you that. I don't know the facts mm-hmm. on that case okay. at all to even to even guess. Yeah. But one thing is true in the law that remedial measures that are made after an injury are usually not held against the person who makes those remedial measures. You can't yeah. use the fact that uh, in most cases, oh, now they've extended the netting. See, now you can't use that. Otherwise, people wouldn't extend the nettings. Or right. they fell down a flight of stairs and now they secured the banister. Well, we don't want anybody else getting hurt. And, and, and no one's admitting that they did wrong, but by securing the netting or tightening up a banister is just a safety issue. It can't be used against uh, it can't be used against the person that's being sued. Okay, as a general rule. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and Lou, you um, tweet out uh, with hashtag baseball and the law. So I'd like to let our listeners know to follow you on Twitter. Thank you. And um, you do an awesome job on that. That's uh, really great. Great thing that you do. What uh, led up to uh, getting started with that? Baseball is the story. I had um, so I'm a member of Saber, and for the for your listeners, if, that's, if you're a baseball fan, being a member of Saber is, is like breathing. You should be a member. The, the membership is not expensive, uh, and the and the uh, wealth of information that you get from Saber. And I've written a few articles for Saber. I've got a couple of articles that I've written for them that are that are in the can. They have them, and they're just waiting to publish them. And I'm working on another project or two. It's just a great source of, of, of pride for baseball fans. Um, great information, great research. Uh, whatever you're looking for, it, it, it's there. So Sabre is just a, a, a wonderful organization. And so I'm a member of the South Florida chapter of Sabre. A little over a year ago, Art Shamsky was coming down to Florida to talk to uh, folks in, in Coral Gables about his book, After the Miracle. Great book. Uh, it, 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 it tells the tale of the 69 Mets, but it also tells a sad story about uh, the aging of the ball players, specifically Tom Seaver. And he, he, he goes back and forth between today and, and back in, in, in 69, and it's a, great, it's a great book, and it's written by Art Shamsky and, and his co-author, Eric uh, Sherman. Mm-hmm. A wonderful book. And the president of our local Sabre chapter knew that I, as a kid growing up, I was a huge Mets fan. And like I said to you before, you know, if, if Art Chamsky and Ed Cranepool and, and, and Cleon Jones and Tommy Agee and Buddy Harrelson and all those guys, you know, were still playing for the Mets, I'd be the world's biggest Mets fan. So 
He says to me, hey, listen, Art Shamsky's going to be down. Uh, we need someone to pick him up at the airport. Would you do it? And it's like, well, sure. How much do I have to pay you to do this? <laughs> so I, I, I mean, really, I, I'm going to pick Art Shamsky up in an airport? Now, I'm, I'm, I'm almost 65 years old, but that's like, I felt like I was 15 again. Really? I get to go out with Art Shamsky? Are you kidding me? You know, this is like, I, I've died and gone to heaven. This is a bucket list <laughs> item in life. And so I pick them up and, and we spend the morning together. We have breakfast and then we go to lunch with a couple of other people. And at lunch, I meet Eric Sherman, his, his co-author, and he had seen my book. And he said to me, how come you don't have a Twitter page for your book? And I said, I, I don't know. He goes, you need to start a Twitter page for your book. And so that's where it came from. Art Shamsky and Eric and Eric Sherman encouraged me to open up the Twitter page. And that was a little over a year ago. And in, and in one year, we've picked up a little bit more than a thousand followers, which is incredible. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I can I can kind of relate. I uh, I also do a podcast on the Mets called Mets Musings, as everybody knows that listens to this show. And uh -huh. uh, I had the pleasure of having Art Shamsky on. And and Eric, I've had Eric Sherman on a few times, and and uh, I had the pleasure of meeting both of them up here a couple of times. And uh, Eric is really a nice guy, and and as you say, that book is a terrific book, and it's not just a med book. It's it's I call it the uh, it's our generations. I'm I'm a couple years older than you, but it's our generations to me, boys of summer. That's how good that book is. And the feelings that I, I had, it, it, it went through the whole range of emotions from joy to happiness to sadness to everything you could think of reading that book. And it's mm -hmm. a terrific book, uh, and, and I recommend get it. But I, I had the, the pleasure of meeting uh, Art Chamsky as well at a, uh, at a book signing and, and actually hanging out in a bar with him for a while later. <laughs> Uh -huh. And and so, I, it, it's like that's incredible. And and I also had the pleasure of meeting Ed Cranepool, and that was just unbelievable to me. Uh, he was getting rid of some memorabilia, to, you know, for his uh, to to cover his medical bills. He had some health issues, and uh, he was selling memorabilia. And a friend of mine called me and said, "Would you like to go to his house?" And I said, "Sure." And uh, went to Ed Crable's house and walked down the basement. And there, the man is sitting there. And I was like, like you said, I was like a fifteen-year-old kid all over again. Oh my God, that's Ed Crable sitting there. You know, I, it was just unbelievable. We sat down and talked baseball. It was just a, it, it's just a wonderful thing. And and I think that that feeling of of uh, uh, being a kid and a fan never really leaves you. I don't think. I, I, Gary, I, I agree with you. Ed Cranepool was my, my favorite ball player growing up as a kid, and I'll save my Ed Cranepool story for another day with you guys on how I met him and, and how I was speechless and the whole thing. But I think we're in awe. And, and I think that, and I'm not saying that today's players, kids don't idolize the way we did, but I, my son is, is now 30, 31 years old. And when all this stuff, and he loved Mark McGuire growing up as a kid, and when all this stuff happened about McGuire, my son one day said to me, and my son was one of the reasons I wrote this book also, because of what he was doing in college at the time, and he encouraged me to do some baseball research and law research. But but Eric says, my son Eric says to me, um, I was this guy cheated. I, the, the guy I loved the best as a ball player, he was nothing but a cheat. 
And so his feeling about his favorite ball player uh, and my mm-hmm. feeling about my favorite ball player are so different. Yeah, yeah. And and, and these guys, you know, and, and you're, I, I like your comparison to the boys of summer because they were the boys of summer. Mm-hmm. I bet if I asked you, and I will ask you, so, so Gary, can you tell us where <laughs> you were when the Mets won the World Series in 1969? <laughs> Yeah, I was in front of my television. Uh, I was in high school at the time, and it, it just so happened that that week we were having some. I went to a private high school, and we were having some kind of fundraiser. And if you brought in money every day, different amounts of money, your your homeroom would get to go home. And uh, you know, I can remember going, and then people would say, "Okay," the the, the homeroom teacher would say, "Okay, you're you're." $20 short of going home at 12 o'clock and we're all thinking holy crap the game is on at 1 or 2 whatever time it came on and if you know I uh, took a subway to get there so if take me 45 minutes to an hour to get home uh, you know people were digging through their pockets giving up lunch money uh, you know anything to try to get enough change to get that 20 bucks so we could go home early but I, I made it home at that time it was a rush I think I missed two batters in the first inning and and sat at home i did not go to the studio i mean to the stadium but mm-hmm. I, but i do have a story that goes along with that if we have the time and i've probably told this before i went to school with a guy that was a huge met fan as well and his name was kevin i won't give his last name uh but he was kind of a, a different looking guy he had big uh, uh coke bottle glasses and everything and uh, uh, he was a tall guy and loved the Mets. And he was not in school the day of game five. And we all knew where he was going. He went to the, his father said, I got tickets to the game. I'm taking you to the World Series game. You know, you can go to school the next day, but you may never have a chance to go to a World Series game. So he goes to the game. The next day he comes in, and it was a Catholic school that I went to, and uh, you had to bring a note in to the brother, and he you, you would hand the note to the brother, and then he would look at it, and he'd stamp it, or I forget whatever they would do, and they'd give you a pass to go to your homeroom. So that's, that's how you got back into school. Well, he goes up, and he hands his note from his father, and the brother looks at him and they, it would, they used to be like it, it almost looked like a bank you know a, a ticket window like and the brother looked to his left shook his head and said no no way and he picks up a picture uh, the daily news of the day and smack dab in the middle of the daily news they took a picture from the stands of all the people on the field and smack dab in the middle of that picture was this guy, Kevin. So <laughs> it caused a bit of a hullabaloo. Uh, his father came to, had to come to school and get him out of trouble and everything. Uh, and the father took full responsibility. He said, look, he may never go to another World Series game. And, and as we know, as Mets fans, they off you and far between. <laughs> so, <laughs> great, great, great story. But that, great that's story. the story with that. Now, in 86, I was there at Game 7, so... That I, well, I was, I was in game there. six. No, I was not. I had tickets for game one and game seven, uh, and not game six. Game six, I was at a friend's house watching it. But uh, uh, it was exciting to be there for game seven and watch them win. Right. But that's my World Series stories. <laughs> Great. That's awesome. So, um, 
follow Lou over at hashtag baseball and the laws, the best way to, to search Twitter for them. Um, and Lou, we appreciate you being on today. We want to take up your two. whole afternoon, but uh, thanks for talking baseball with us. And would love to have you back at another show. Okay. Anytime you want, we'll talk about, I'll tell you my Ed Crane pool story and we'll, we'll talk more <laughs> baseball and law and, uh, let's hope everybody stays safe. we be safe. And, uh, more important than having a baseball season this year is that our families are safe. That's the most important thing. And you stay healthy yourself, Ed, uh, Lou. Thank you. Thank you, Thank gentlemen. You very much. Have a great day. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Great gentleman there, Mr. Lou Shift, award Schiff, a award winner for Saber, uh, author, researcher, many hats he wears. Um, obviously, a, a um, sort of like a Ben Franklin of baseball. He's an instructor, <laughs> a teacher. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. Uh, terrific guest too, Rich. Uh, really got some great stories and. Uh, Knows the lore. Uh, uh, wish we had a few more. I'm about to have him on again, though. I'm curious still about yeah. the whole minor league contraction thing. Um, yeah, I know. I know we wanted to get to that, and we will on yeah. another uh, edition. Yeah, he's always great and gracious to come on our show uh, like this. And I've had him on another show for Phillies Talk. So uh, absolutely, he's he's aces, and I'm sure he'll uh, he'll make some time to talk with us. Yeah, yeah. All right, Rich. Well, that was uh, terrific again. He was a terrific guest, and we'll have to have him on to uh, talk a little minor league baseball maybe the next time. And uh, Any other thing you float in your boat there, Rich? Well, as you said, we're just taking it day by day. As, as we wake up the next day, we have new news about plans for the MLB. Nothing set in stone yet, so I'm just waiting on that. We have some uh, words that... Uh, ESPN was looking to broadcast, uh, I believe, either the Taiwan uh, Baseball League or the Korean Baseball League. Apparently, they're still going to be after that as well to maybe tide us over to the end of June. So looking forward to whatever whatever comes down our way baseball-wise is what I'm trying to to do. <laughs> and that Korean League is a little uh, interesting because they actually have robot fans and uh, robot cheerleaders, I think. I don't, I don't know. It's weird. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, I wonder if we, we'll see anything like that. You think they'll put cardboard cutouts in the seats maybe and play, you know, crowd noise? I I would think so. <laughs> it, it, like Lou just said, it's going to be a little boring if there's no organ music, some piped-in uh you know, rah, rah, rah type of stuff. It's going to be beyond boring. So hopefully they'll have that sorted out as well to give at least the players a feeling that, hey, this is a game that matters. And uh, that's all part of it. So I don't believe they had that at the Orioles makeup game that Lou was talking about, though. I believe it was very silent from what I remember reading uh, from a long time ago, five years ago or so. Yeah. That was a fast five years, by the way. Yeah, it certainly was. It gets fast when you, <laughs> you get a little I bit was, older. <laughs> we went um, down to Baltimore around that time because they had super cheap room rates down there, of course, with the riots yeah. going on in there. <laughs> so we had to look over our shoulder a little bit. But uh, I do remember going down to Baltimore, had a wonderful time. And I remember looking up at the... Um, 
at the helicopter circling around. So uh, another memory there, but uh, the, the thing it was I, great. No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was just saying it. It was great to recall it, and you know, it's all part of part of baseball. Yeah, that's for sure. I I remember the guy going around the bases and and like waving to the crowd or or you know tipping his hat, and there's nobody there. I mean, that was that was great. Uh, great fun and and uh, I I think I could see the novelty of it. It would probably be a lot of fun for the guys the first couple of games, but I think after a while it would be monotonous. After you know, um, yeah. uh, it would just get tiresome after a while because they they like the energy to feed off the energy of the crowd and um. Um, but we'll see what happens, you know, if that's the only way they can play. And that's the, by, and more importantly, if that's the only way they can get paid. I'm sure they'll accept that uh, slight uh, inconvenience to their season. And one more note for our listeners. Check out the BaseballTalkRadio.com website. It's a collection of over 40 independent baseball talk shows. I'm doing some work on it. Presently, I'm trying to rebuild some of the pages uh, with updates, and um, but we do have a 24-hour, seven-day-a-week player there. You can hear some of the shows play. You can even listen to them on the road, uh, stream them. So check that out as well. If you want to send Gary an email, it's Gary at BaseballTalkRadio.com or myself, Rich, at BaseballTalkRadio.com, and we'd love to uh, read your comments. Certainly would, and uh, if you'd like to be a part of the show, support the show, go to uh, anchor.fm slash baseball talk radio show, and you can, uh, you know, leave a little donation right there, or check out our Patreon page, patreon.com slash the baseball talk radio show, and become a Patreon member there, and I think we're working on some things to make that a little bit more enticing, uh, um, as we sit here in quarantine, Rich. So, uh, another week, another great show, another terrific guest. Uh, hope everybody enjoyed it. Uh, and I, I guess we'll see you next time. Uh-huh.